it's about still reaching that endpoint, but that endpoint could be a time frame. It could be what distance can I actually do? And um, and it's there is no one right or wrong part to trail running. So and that's and that's what I think I really love about the sport. And I've I've always enjoyed all sorts of it, like the whole sides of trail, the track and the road is everything has its own challenge that you'll actually achieve in it so it's um and that's what i really enjoy so i go into whatever i do and um i'll look at that and decide what's my challenge here kia ora koto that was stephen redfern i'm matt raymond and i'm eugene bingham and this is dirt church radio interesting conversations with interesting runners I would just like to say that um, Ultraspire have been with us. Mm. Grant Guys has been with us for 150 episodes. It's like a good, reliable pack, isn't it? He's like, he? a, you know, good, just like a Zygos. He just sits there, comfortable, does the job. Yeah. Just, you love it. Absolutely. You love it. Thank you uh, to it just Ultraspire. stays and stays and stays. Yeah, it just stays and stays and stays. Ultraspire has been with us since yes. the beginning. This is our 150th show, three years. We would implore you to check out ultraspire.co.nz and their wares like the Zygos 4. I mean, I've even gone back to the old semi, semi, mm. semi-permeable, not semi-permeable, semi-tumescent yeah. bottles. Mm. So not the squ- full squidge. No, but the, the no, old you've school. avoided the little ones with the straw that yeah, sticks up the, and the other oh, soft. Hey, we're anyway, um, yeah, you've gone for the gone, but old school, but ultraspy.co.nz, middle, middle school, middle school, ultraspy.co.nz, sticking with us since day one. Um, and we couldn't be more happy that they are a sponsor of Dirt Church Radio. Wild things, I got my stuff. now, yeah, look, I was gonna when we we're talking about bottles, yeah, you know. You you got a flash new Wild Things uh, bottle there? How, Easy how come, are you finding it? Well, it got it got taken. Is it that popular? It got taken from me. Is it at, that popular? It got taken from me at Riverhead Rampage. Wow! Someone someone had a bit of a bit of an upsie, mm. and you know, being the good nurse that I am, I gave them some electrolytes in my in mm. my bottle, and, and in, your, in the nice you know, new squeezy yeah, Wild Things bottle. From, with my VIP discount and, you know, like Sting says, if you love something, let it set them free. Set them free? Set them free, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's gone. So easy come, easy go. Anyway. But luckily, because you've got the VIP discount, because, you know, if you jump on to wildthings.club and sign up as a VIP member and use the code DCR2021, you can use that VIP membership yeah. to then get another... Get another bottle. I think I will. Maybe get two next time. But I've got my T8 undies, which are just fantastic. Uh, you, didn't lend, you didn't lend anyone those? No, no, no one would want those. No, no <laughs> just one would. sort of whip them off at the yeah. finish line. Do you want yeah. these? I Velcroed them up so yep. I can just sort of do a Joe Bluth and <laughs> off they come. Anyway, sorry, hyster- what's the what's the audio visual, audio equivalent of hysterical blindness? I'm not sure. Anyway, but go to wildthings.club uh, to forget about that mm. terrible mental image. Mm. Use the code DCR2021. Mm. Mm. Another one who's been there, not from the beginning, oh, but very nearly, nearly the beginning, further yeah. faster. So yeah. furtherfaster.co.nz, Aotearoa's premier expert uh, outdoors store, Rocky Badger, Jules, um, Jacob, and the crew. 
fantastic. Mm. Um, I mean, I, Jacob's I, calves have been there. Yep, they've been etched Almost into my out. memory. Yeah, for the for from the jump, mm. and um, and I mean that with with all sincerity. Mm. The, the man's a legend. But look, further faster. Co.nz, fantastic gear, Montaigne, uh, good kit, mm. good seam seal jackets, mm. warm and as, as, as flash as you like. Lovely. Yeah, good jingle too. Great jingle. Gonna go something like further, faster, there in Christchurch. Rocky is hairy and so is Badger. Jules is nice and Jack is delicious. Go to further, faster now. Go further, faster, there in Christchurch. Rocky is hairy and so is Badger. Jules is nice and Jack is delicious. Go to further, faster now. Dishes Radio. Here we go. Episode 151. We, we made, made it. out the other side. Yeah. We made, we it, made it out the other side. We did. We did. We're into tape a week. Tape a week madness. <laughs> <laughs> we 2K coming up this week in Wellington in our capital. Um, there's a lot of people running. There's a lot of people running, yeah. So, I mean, it, it, not humble beginnings, but... um. 291 people running the new 21K course. So first time, you know, 2021, 21K mm. course. 270 in the 43 and 255 people running the 62-kilometer course. And there's Idiots. Who would do that? Who would do that? No, I know. God. I'm certainly questioning my life choices. And so that's <laughs> a total of 904 runners for 2021. Which is so great for Gareth and the team down there. Um, it is. You know, they had to put it off last year. Obviously, it was one of the COVID casualties. Um, so fantastic to see so many people lining up. We can't wait to get down there. We have a little bit of tape a week madness. We have a little bit of, oh, my gosh, am I getting sick kind of thing going on. You know, is that niggle in my knee going to be something? You know, just, you know how it goes. Mm, you know how it goes. Mm. But anyway, yes. we're going to go down there and have fun. That's what we're going to do. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. Hey, it speaking, feels, it feels oh, strange, though. You know, yes. like to, um, you know, it feels strange to be on the part where we're like, you know, I, I woke up this morning and thought, oh, I'm going to Wellington in a couple of days. You know, mm. it still feels a bit, bit strange to be, to be even sort of doing stuff like that. Yeah, I yeah, that's true. That's true. And then I'm kind of so so I'm almost sort of out of practice because I haven't I haven't actually raced for quite a while. You know, like. I um I didn't um yeah I haven't haven't done uh, a, a proper race as it were for quite a while like I did um, the Tarawera pacing for Jean but that didn't feel like I was I was um, you know racing racing and then I um, I did the Rotorua pacing but again it didn't feel like it was my gig you know mm-hmm. whereas this one it's like yeah I'm I'm gonna be actually racing. Um, so, yeah, it's it's something I'm I'm really looking forward to. Um, yeah, can't wait, can't wait. Bring it on. Yeah, I can't bring it on. Yeah, I, I mean, it feels for me it's it's uh, it's uh, I've I, I've had a terrible. Uh, I feel like I've had a sort of a terrible build up, and it's just the, it's just the, you know. I was sick last week and sort of woke up this morning, and it doesn't feel real either. But I am looking forward to it. I had a panic I, attack, which I know. Really? That I, well, not a proper panic attack. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. But uh, I realised this morning. I don't know what time it starts. 
I'm sure I can figure this out. I'm sure I can figure that. I knew you'd know. There you go. Yeah. But I was like, <gasps> you know how you get those sort of moments? You go, <gasps> I don't want, oh no. But anyway, there yeah. we go. Time to sort those things out. Hey, uh, we had a bunch of people, well, okay, one, asking if you could yeah. share so more downhill after tips and- after I passed on those ones that you passed on to me last week. Um, I, d- I will say I went and gave them a go on thing two during the week, which ended with another episode of me on my backside. But, you know, it was super fun. And um, I had a fair amount of riverhead mud all over my backside by the time I got back to the car. Um, but it was so much better than I've ever run that trail. Uh, and I really enjoyed it, which so, you know, thank you. Oh, it's it's absolutely my pleasure, and I have to par- I have to uh, full credit to uh, everything I've learnt f- about downhill running technique. Not everything, a lot of things I've learnt. Uh, it's it's uh, James Kugler, so mm. I give credit. Yeah, credits. And and you did do you did give him credit when we when we did that run the other week. Um, you were saying we should go and do well that I should go and do. James's I do one trail, um, yeah, and that you'd come and do it as well, yeah. Trail basics. So yeah. Anyway, any more tips? Have a think about it. Pass them on. <laughs> we could have Matt's tips. Get it, we could, no, I'm not going to say we could have a jingle because Andrew will send us a jingle. But um, Look, we're heading back across yeah. uh, the Tasman this week. Stephen Redfern. He's yeah. the uh, race director for the Unreasonable East 200 miler that we talked about uh, a few weeks back with uh, Kai Bretz, and he's on the board of the Australian Ultra Runners Association. Mm. He's run UTMB, uh, Western States, and he's a Qantas aircraft engineer. So, yeah. yeah, so plenty to talk about with him, and um, yeah, I mean he's got he's got he's got he's a great storyteller. So you'll really enjoy this conversation. Um, and good to include our Australian cousins like we have been. Anyway, um, how good was it to catch up with Ruth Croft, Ruth Croft last week? That episode went off. Yeah, it did. It garnered a lot of um, – it, it was super good. And it's it's always great catching up with Ruth. I always sort of get caught out with how um, – her sort of how laconic she is mm. you know it always it, it catches me out at the start but then it's sort of you you warm into it and yeah. uh you know, what a fantastic conversation with her yeah. what a legend eh? yeah what a legend God. great sense of humor um i saw mickey willardon at park run on saturday and she was about to go off and talk to ruth for her podcast wikipedia right. by the way um which i think is out today as well and um we were talking about how great it is that she's so available you know like try and yeah, get to it, an all black. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> no, and, and impossible. Was, I mean, yeah, try, yeah tr- talk about trying to get to an all black, but th- that's the thing, isn't it? It's like we've got this this person who's 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 slaying it, yeah. and uh, very little kind of media attention, really. I mean, yeah. locker room did an amazing job. Mm. Um, I know Scotty Stevenson talks about her a whole bunch. We, we obviously do, but. Mm. Yeah, and and I must say, um, Wikipedia is the best name for a podcast. Yeah, heard. she's slammed us on that absolutely, absolutely yeah. on podcast names. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was also great <laughs> to give our our Tarawera entry too, wasn't it? Um, yes. Yeah, and thanks again to everyone who sent in a nomination, and our um, recipients are fizzing, fizzing they are. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lydia, Ethan, and Charlene. Charlene, sorry, mm, we're doing mm. this. Full full disclosure, we're both a bit sick. We're doing this remotely, um, and it's, it's it's whilst it's not a struggle, it's 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 a struggle. 
So anyway, names, etc. But it's look, never smooth. We have something to to distract mm. you <laughs> from our uh, incompetence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have another uh, uh, entry, another race entry mm. to give away. Mm. So the Craterum Ultra. Um, this time we're going to do a draw. Uh, they got in touch and said, "Hey, do you guys want an entry to give away?" So. Go to our Facebook or Instagram pages and you'll find a post about this. Um, comment underneath, put your name in underneath and comment underneath. And if you're on um, Facebook, give us a like or Instagram, give us a follow and we'll draw out a winner in, in two weeks' time. So for those of you who don't know about Crater Room, where have you been? Uh, we asked the organisers what they had to say. If they, you know, if Basically the elevator pitch, what would you tell someone about it if um, – you know, if they wanted to know what the Crater Room was all about. And here's what they'd say. They said, as well as our 53-kilometer, 30-kilometer, 22-kilometer, and 10-kilometer races, this year we have an exciting new 83-kilometer race. Do you want to hit number two? Yeah, so views of a Littleton Harbour, like Ellesmere and Christchurch City, are simply spectacular, and I've heard amazing things mm. about that race and mm. the views. Yep, the terrain for all that race is, is Races is as good as you can get with technical challenges to test the best runners and the rest up and down through low-lying bush that roadies and first-timers will enjoy. We have a we have a race to suit all abilities. Oh, I like so this the fi- last one. Yeah, yeah. The, oh, no, second to last well, one, sorry. Second to last. The 53-kilometre race features an early morning ferry trip across the beautiful Littleton Harbour to the start and Diamond Harbour. And that used to double, uh, the 53-kilometre race used to double as the uh, New Zealand Trail Running Championships, but... However, yeah, the 83-kilometre race this year doubles as the New Zealand Trail Running Champs. Um, so if you're entered in that, you're going to rub shoulders with the elite of New Zealand off-road running um, who will be competing for Elite national honours. Yeah, that's right, that's right. So go find those posts on the socials, comment beneath, and go in the draw. Cool. I don't know. Do we want to talk about how have you been? Because I feel like Seems we've like talked we a lot about all over that at the top. Yeah, I feel like I feel like people know how we are. We don't want to depress <laughs> them further. No, we're fine. We're fine. Um, yeah, but we would like to thank our Patreon patrons because absolutely, you know, they do a great job for us and um, support us, and and um, you know, even just a, a small regular donation is really helpful. Um, it helps us do things that are a bit outside our reach at the moment. You know, helps us get to races to interview people it helps us um get sound equipment it helped us we paid some bills last week didn't we like things like the we did. The, the website uh the domain name and all that sort of stuff that we have to pay for so thank you patreon patrons and if it's not in your warehouse at the moment that's cool no worries we're still free right stuff you should know trigger warning eugene there's a race mm. called the cougar trail run in Tukuroa. i did i did see that I did see that. Saturday, 10th of July is the first event in the 2021 Run Topo Trail Run Series. Yep. And, I mean, it, it says arguably Tokoro's best kept secret. Now, uh, Matt, I've I got a challenge for you. I, no, no. Okay, carry Tokoro's on. Tokoro's other best kept secret. Right. Uh, first sit down KFC in New Zealand. Well, okay, because I was going to say to you, what's the second best kept secret? Thinking that you would come up short, but you you know it. There we go. So there we go. Yeah. Shame on me. Uh, anyway, it's a yeah, it's, it's a great little course by the looks of it, and people had a fun old time. 
So in the long course, it was Sue Crowley in 140.56, Marie Stevens second in 151.43, and Royson McQuillan in 153.34. And in the men, Casey Thorby, 126.15, smashed it out. Donald McGoldrick, 132.57, and Stuart Simpson, 135.56. In the mid-course run, it was Jessica Lamb in 113.37, Samantha Bradley in 116.58, and Holly Sproson in 118.24. And in the men, Andrew Beggs, 103.41, Robbie Hammond, 106.52, and Brendan Colcorn, 108.12. In the short course, it was Bo Ritchie in 29.54, Renee Carey in 35.04, and Rachel Muir in 38.58. And... By the way, Bo and Renee were first and fourth overall. Get it. In the men, Amazing. Richard Stone, 33.56, Charlie Morrell, 34.36, and Justin Smythe, uh, 35.07. So down the other end of the country, yeah. the Queen Charlotte track, Captain Cook's Landing 28-kilometre trail run, uh-huh. Josie Wilcox, 159.29, Jody Dobson in 211.18, and Kristen Hall in 215.26. Matt Ogden, uh, took it out one forty one fifty nine. Ben Williams one forty four fifty, and Regan Sinclair one fifty six thirty two. Um, it was also like there was the Hamner ten down in Hamner. That well, yeah, of course it was in Hamner. Um, pretty epic. And uh, over in Australia, they had the Elephant Trail Run. Have you seen that? No, looks pretty epic. And they have a giant elephant at the finish line. Inflatable one, not a real one. Right. Anyway, um, because of COVID restrictions, they, they've, they've decided to split it up, so they're going to have two events this year. Um, not sure if they're going to combine it for the overall result. But anyway, found that interesting. Um, but the Brisbane Trail Ultra was on in Brisbane this weekend as well. So that, that was a 100-mile race, and that, that was uh, in, the, in the women's Marie, uh, Marie Connor, 23-29-50. Uh, Jackie Bell in 24.55.09 and in 26.18.51 it was Carmen Atkinson. And in the men, Matthew Crean, 1953.14, Nicholas Bamford, 20.05.32 and Rob Tabato, 23.50. Did I say Nicholas's time properly? 20 hours and 5 minutes and 32 seconds. I don't know that I did. did. Anyway, just did it again. Yeah. So there was 100... And 10 kilometre race, which was run by Jessica Schuller in 13 17 45 and Mike Carroll in 11 31 46. Yep, and a 60k where the victors were Risha Lewis 60707, nice time, and Matt Gore 53207. Hard Rock 100 coming up next week. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my yeah. gosh. It, exciting times, eh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to be great to get that race going again, isn't it? Yeah. I mm. wonder. Uh, Bronco Billy, if he, you know, he he pulled out of uh, mm. he pulled out of Western States. This is second end of ever DNF. He was going for the double, so I wonder how that's going to go for him. Mm. Jeff Browning, yeah, and um, Courtney Dewalter lining up as well. I think so. Oof. It's going to be fun. Um, yeah. Hey, in our in continuing mailbag series, we heard from Nigel, Nigel Neem. Um, who he's got a little mission plan. So his his um, local girls basketball team, um, which is the Waihee College Year 7 and 8 team, they want to get to the Ames games this year. And basically he says, as Nigel puts it, they're pimping him out. So they've said right. um, if they raise a 1000 bucks on their Give a Little page, he's going to run 26 laps of the mine in Waihee, which is 100 kilometres around. So, so if you want to 
make Nigel suffer, um, basically jump on the Give a Little page, which we'll put on our, our show notes. And, um, yeah, if it gets up to a 1000 bucks, he's going to be running loops around the Waihe mine. Mm. Um, and he says we, people are welcome to jump in and join them as well. So, anyway. We'll put thing. that on our show notes. We shall. Be fantastic. We shall. Yeah. Right. Greatest, Greatest run, run ever. ever. Greatest run ever. Greatest run ever, which is the part of the show when we ask in to, ask in to write to you, to us, to every week. I get that wrong. Uh-huh. It's the part of the show where we ask you to write into us and tell us your greatest run ever. It doesn't have to be a race or a mountain summit. It might just be a run around the block, something that's sung to you for some reason. You can send it in to us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. And this is from Reese Johnson. Uh, it's titled An Unexpected Victory. Now, this is an odyssey. Oh, uh, and sure is. You can tell tell the readers that if you, if you want to go to the Dirt Church Radio website, um, you can read the full unabridged version, but we did uh, for the we, we did need to sort of pare this down. But it, it's it's a banger. So standing on the starting line of Tarawera Ultra Marathon this year, I was full of excitement and anticipation. Twenty twenty had been a year of injury for me, from January's hip injury to March's stress fracture that had plagued me through October, a torn ligament in my ankle that was followed by November's mountain bike crash, resulting in a broken rib and busted shoulder. And he writes, so I nearly forgot about the muscle I tore in my left forearm at work during the year. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> Finding out a few weeks before the event that my spine has the bone density of an 85-year-old, being stuck in a contract that was running at a loss and two staff members deciding not to turn up for 2022, my race shows, my race shoes blowing out two weeks before the event not being able to get a new pair until the day before. It would have been fair to say that my training through 2020 was patchy at best, but with super-involved coaching sport by Ali at Squad Run, I stood on the start line in the best possible shape. Despite an extended period of less than ideal physical and emotional stress, this left us all unsure of what I had to offer on race day and how things would unfold at no point was a top three place ever considered once the gun went i couldn't wait to get racing and i felt straight into that place that i love to go the zone so i'm happily racing away at about 25 to 30k in in the zone of course and i started to experience one of those very rare moments i felt like i was floating effortlessly down the trail being pushed through the forest by something else an almost out of body type feeling at that time, I could only explain this as a couple of things, and it definitely wasn't my morning coffee, as I always skip this on race day. One, was it some mouldy spirit from these lands that was guiding me through for a safe journey? The pre-start haka and karakia had touched me deep, and I'd felt honoured to be going on this journey through their lands. Two, was I getting a piece of my soul back that I'd left out there in 2017? That was the year of my first ever 100k race. It was run on the reverse direction back then, and I was around the spot where I'd started to lose it. With a huge amount of determination and a lack of knowledge, I'd bonked hard, like real hard. Definitely the worst place I've ever physically been. I'd always joked about running in the new direction so I could get to the place my soul had left out there and bring it back. Maybe that was it. Anyway, All good things eventually come to an end, and so did this. Not like a tap being turned off, but just very slowly fading away. All right, we're going to skip forward a bit to the Blue Lake Aid Station, by which stage Reese had run with Ruth Croft for a bit and then told her to go smash it as she pulled away, and then discovering, uh, also discovering that the leader of the men's race, Michael Voss, was having a bad day. And suddenly, Reese, he's the leader. 
The next person I saw was Ellie standing up at the aid station. In my head, I'm like, why is Ellie here? Shouldn't she be at the finish line emceeing? As soon as I got there, I could see she had a game face on. She had all the stuff from my drop bag laid out and was ready to get me out here as quickly as she could. As things were handed to me and Murray showered me in cold water with sponges, my legs all started to spasm and cramp, calves, quads, and hammies. It was like fireworks going off in my legs. Little did she know that she was my mental strength. The thought that was pulling me through this, I'd been carrying her in my thoughts. Every time I wanted to slow down, I would think of Ellie and Kerry and how much I wanted to give them this win. I always try to have some third-party mental fuel for the backstage of a race. I find it so much harder to quit on someone else than quit on myself. To have her here now was just awesome. I didn't want to stay any longer than I had to as my legs were locking up. I've got to keep moving, and so off they sent me into my most well-known bit of the trail, the Whakareiwareiwa Forest. And he skips through to the Redwoods, which is the last aid station with 6K remaining. The location of this aid station is magical, set in amongst the most beautiful, huge Redwoods. The reception I received here was massive, and there were so many familiar faces, and I could start to feel the scale of what I was doing. Out on the trails, I wasn't getting this emotion. I was on my own, and these were my local trails. It felt a bit like any other day I was out there, but it just hurt way more. Hmm. Once surrounded by friends, I could see it in their faces. I was actually doing this thing. Ellie was there again to get me through as quickly as I could. She mentioned that I was 10 minute, ups at, 10 minute up at Blue Lake. That was nine kilometers ago. Have they pulled in, I asked. I don't know. Just run your best from here, she replied. I could hear real uncertainty in her voice. I really wanted this win for her, and we both knew this thing was far from over. I knew my legs were letting me down, and there was a high chance the guys behind me were making up time on me. The last 6K to the finish is all flat and hot without any tree cover. From this point, it's 95% mental and 5% physical. I set off 500 meters from the aid station. I checked the pace on my watch. I was sitting at 4.30 per per kilometer. This was good, like really good. I knew if I was holding onto this pace, it would help to seal the deal. The danger was the candle was burning really hard and there wasn't much left. The urge to stop or slow down was overwhelming. Each kilometre closer to the finish, my pace was slowly dropping and my effort was going up. I knew I was running at an unsustainable rate and the heat was really taking its toll. The finish line couldn't come soon enough. Any sharp turn, I would do a quick check to see if anyone was chasing me and to my relief, each time I looked, it was clear. With about 1k to go, I saw a guy that looked like Tim Day running towards me. Holy shit, I thought as we got within eye contact. He looked over the moon for me, but had a serious energy about him. I felt honoured he'd come to run me in. He was so encouraging, but had a real sense of urgency in his voice. He never let on, but he knew my lead was being eaten away, and at one kilometre to go, we still wasn't done. He ran in front of me and set the pace he was trying to get me to run at. Well, we were both trying to run at. I have no idea if I actually sped up with Tim. I thought that the... I thought that the foot flat to the floor, but while trying to sit with him for that last K, the internal alarm bells were going off like crazy. All I could do was just keep trying to hang on with him. Then I could hear it, the finish line. It was the best sound in the world. Tim looked back behind us and said, there's no one there, you've got this. The relief as I entered the finishing shoot was exhilarating. It was not until this point that I felt confident to keep the lead. I'd been running scared for well over three hours. I could hear Kerry's voice down the mic. There were so many familiar faces that I knew hanging on into the finish shoot. I stepped across the line with so much joy and disbelief that somehow I'd managed to win the 2021 Tarawera 102km men's race. Whoa. And yeah, as Matt said, you can go onto our website and read the the extended version of that. But um, thank you so much, Reese. That was amazing. And thank you for sharing it. Um, we got Reese's permission to cut down the bits that we've brought to you. Um, but the the whole read is just epic. And he's just done a great job of, you know, if you ever want Stoke uh, going into a race, have a, have a read of that. Um, and a, a greatest 
great run. Um, yeah. Anyway, the rest of you, don't forget to send them in. We were there I saw Reese when uh, – Yeah, and he yeah, writes yeah, about I was, that. I was out. I was out running. Yeah, uh, he, he writes about that in the part. he writes about that in the um in the extended version. Uh, yeah, seeing nice. you. Yeah, there you go. Sorry. There you go. Awesome race. Right on with the show. <sighs> Stephen Redfern, he's the RD for the Unreasonable East Two Hundred Miler that we talked about a few weeks back. He's on the board of the Australian Ultra Run Association. He's run UTMB and Western States. He's a Qantas aircraft engineer and he's a teller of tales. You will enjoy this conversation. So, without further ado, here is Stephen Redfern. Radio. All right, all the way from Sydney, Australia, we have the pleasure to be speaking with Stephen Redfern. Stephen, I mean, how are you going, man? You're in a bit of a, you're, you guys are in a bit of a pickle again. Hey, good day, guys. Uh, yeah, just a little bit. Um, first time in about a year we've had to uh, yeah, um, deal with um, this situation again, which is a bit of a bugger. But um, yeah, it's still um, still growing at the moment, so we're we're just sort of seeing how it all unfolds um, and just trying to make the uh, the best of what we can um, with this terrible situation. So um, surviving okay, um, but yeah, every day just restrictions just seem to get a bit tighter and tighter. So um, see how we go from um, from here. What does it mean in terms of what are the restrictions for running? Is it, is it ten kilometres from home or something? So what does that mean for you? In terms of running, yeah. So last week we were good. We could sort of run pretty much anywhere as long as we were sort of uh, staying socially distanced. But then because it got a bit worse this year, this week they've dropped it down to um, sort of a ten k radius from your home, um, which for me is not too bad. Uh, I'm pretty lucky living just south of Sydney near the Royal National Park. Um, I have lots of trails uh, either side of my house. So for my 10K radius, it's probably 90% of that will be in just uh, our local national parks either side of me. So it's about an 800-metre run. Uh, I can go either uh, west or east, uh, cross over the railway line, and then I've just have hundreds of kilometres of trails. I can just choose to go in either direction, which is which is pretty good for me. Oh, perfect. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I I don't live next to a national park. I live next to a, uh, a pine forest, but it's still the, it's still the same thing. I remember when um, we went into lockdown. Um, you, you know, again, it's it's six seven hundred meters, and I'm I'm away in the trees, and it was it was all good. The only difficulty I had, I was a bit. Other people had the same idea, so I went from like having like literally a decade of running around the place in the weekdays, just sort of having the place to myself. To, Almost feeling a little bit of sort of, as a bit of a nimby, you know. <laughs> I was like, "What? Are, what are you all doing out here? What's, what's the problem?" I know it's. Uh, I've never seen so many people enjoy our local national park. As you said, during the week, the trails are normally just to myself. Um, I can just do whatever I want, and usually be the only person on the trails. But now, uh, yeah, now you've got to share it with uh, everyone else in the suburb <laughs> and the local area who seems to feel that um, they want to discover. What's out there now? Yeah, um, and get off the uh, get off the boring streets. Yeah, it feels a bit trite to call it a silver lining, but it certainly is. You know, if that's one positive thing to come, oh, not even. It's, it's it's good that people have, have been sort of forced to get out amongst it and and you know go outside rather than you know spend all their time kind of rushing back and forth and doing everything like that. Oh, look, most definitely, I think a lot of people have definitely. Uh, 
sort of discovered what's actually on their back door uh, a lot more now to probably what they had say 18 months ago mm. which is which is which is good um, and we've all we've all known it's always been there but uh, there's been a lot that haven't mm. we've started to realize that, um, how special it is so close to home mm. you what did you you did some bananas run or ultra in your garage last year during lockdown well can you tell us yeah, about that uh, <laughs> so last year the lockdown was was a little bit more restrictive as we all knew uh so we had in april we probably only really had four most like that our strongest restriction days here in sydney was over easter last year um, when they sort of asked us to really not go anywhere and the local national park actually closed all the trails over easter because they were afraid being a four-day holiday Everyone was just going to just uh, head off into the bush, and you know, I just didn't want that. So I um, I wanted to do a bit of a challenge that was going around, which was the uh, basically the the uh, sort of backyard ultra challenge, and it was sort of set up by a guy in Victoria, where he sort of put it out there that. As long as you could run something slightly longer than uh, a marathon, uh, so you became an ultra, um, you sort of met the challenge. So most people were sort of running 43, maybe 50 k's around their backyard. They'd make a course in and out of their house. So I chose to uh, give my garage a go, uh, which is three cars long. So it was it was a, <laughs> it's a nice length garage. Yeah, and I was able to nut out a, a circle route with some cones which became a, a 32 and a half meter loop um, within my garage and I put it out there to the uh, the masses on Facebook and I'd like to go do my um, my quarantine or my my ultra uh, in my garage and I was going to do it over Easter um, what was people's thoughts on what they'd like me to do uh, and I'd put a few out there maybe I could run 24 hours. Uh, maybe I'd like to see me do a, a hundred miles in my garage. And I had a couple of smaller ones, hundred k's and fifty. And my idea was, is I was probably tending to go towards a, a twenty-four hour in my garage. Um, but what I didn't do was I didn't lock out on the survey I put on Facebook. I didn't lock out the little box that stops other people from adding to oh. the. Uh, <laughs> so it only been up five minutes and the guy who sort of has started this whole movement, John Lim, uh, he runs the Victorian Ultra Runners um, Club down in Victoria, which has like 5,000 members. So he put one straight back up there and went, well, you said you want to run over Easter. Easter was four days long. So I propose you run 360 Ks, 90 Ks a day for the four days of Easter. And by the time I got back onto Facebook to have a look at how the little survey was going, my ones had nothing. No one cared about mine, and everyone had just voted on on his option. So I really didn't give myself much choice but to accept the uh, the challenge. And three days later, um, yeah, I was running my four days around my garage. Oh. So which, yeah, which I had to end up completing. Uh, I didn't know if I could. No, I don't think John Lim actually thought I would actually be uh, nutty enough to do the four days. But yeah, so end up being. Um, 360Ks over four days um, in my uh, in my garage around a 32-metre loop. Wow. Wow. Did you uh, – um, I've got two que- I mean, two questions. The first one is, is, did you go the same way? Did you go like clockwise one day, anti-clockwise the next? 
So I'm amazed that you only got two questions for something as silly as that. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the first one. You haven't heard the second. Okay. Uh, no, I, uh, I changed every 20 minutes. So I treated it a bit like a, an actual 24-hour track race, um, except four hours would have been a bit too long to change direction. So 20 minutes was giving me about three to three and a half Ks around the garage. So and I felt that was a good time to change direction. Um, and that was when I was taking my nutrition. So I took a little bit of nutrition every 20 minutes just to keep me going. Uh, so I ended up having, it was about, I think I worked out, it was 125 changes of direction throughout the four days. Uh, and uh, the best was I ended up doing 11,500 laps around my garage over the four days. That's incredible. I mean, looking at the shit, like we've, we've obviously, because we're journalists, air quote, well, he's actually a journalist, I'm a journalist, air quotes. And, um, you know, we do research, air quotes. Like looking at what <laughs> you've achieved, including the fact that you ran, you know, 360 kilometres around a 32-metre track in your garage. I mean, it seems remarkable that you've only been running since 2014. And and even then, you you decided that you you know your goal was to bang out a half marathon. I mean, how have you packed so much in? I just enjoy it. I think it's uh, my my mate got me into the ultras pretty quickly, so you, you did get it right. I don't ever really wanted to do start with a half marathon. Uh, I thought, yeah, yeah, I'll give running a go. I don't want to put my goals too big, um, so I booked in for the Sydney half in May. Um, after I started in February, and that was pretty good. I enjoyed that. And then um, decided to step up and I booked in for the Sydney Marathon uh, in September. And uh, that was, yeah, that was good. And then my mate who'd been running uh, ultras for a little while convinced me to come down and do the Hume Hovel 100K in October, uh, sort of two months later. So... um, so, yeah, so five weeks after my marathon, we drove down and I did my first 100K trail race. And uh, the funny thing was my mate said he would uh, stick with me for the race because I'd never run over 40K and I was a little bit slower than him. So I think we've got about 20K in and then he just disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> they left me to discover the rest of the race on my own, but I must admit I really enjoyed it. It was um, certainly was an experience. And um, so then on the drive home from that, that was down uh, south in New South Wales, he, um, he came up with another idea and he goes, he has an idea for our next race. He said, how about we go do the Alpine Challenge 100 miler? Um, only problem is that starts in five weeks' time. So after about a week of umming and ahhing, I, I couldn't say yes straight away. I thought that was, that was a bit of a big step up. But, uh, yeah, couldn't help myself. Called him back a week later and said, oh, what the hell, let's go do this. So, um, yeah, so five weeks five weeks after my first 100K, I did my first first 100-miler. Well, you've also got a, you had a week of sort of recovery slash procrastination, will I, won't I, then three weeks to train and then a week of taper. That's about right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only problem was I didn't know what all that was back then. Um, only been running for seven months. That was all new terminology for me. So wow. I just figured, oh, yeah, well, I, I could do this, someone else. Everyone else is doing it. Um, it can't be too hard. And uh, the name of that race, the Alpine Challenge, uh, suggests to me that it wasn't a flat race either. No, it was probably back then in 2014, it was probably the only real Alpine 
100 mile we had here in Australia. So that was, it was about 7,500 of elevation through the Victorian high country. The guy who puts it on doesn't really mark it. So it's, uh, you've got to sort of know the trails and the directions and you're sort of self, self-navigating yourself throughout the whole course, uh, which, which was, yeah. So that ended up being, it took me 36 hours for my, myself and my mate to finish that, that race that year. And it was funny that it wasn't until 2019 when I finally ran the uh, Lara Pinta 231k race. I hadn't actually run that length of time for the next five years. So it was my longest huh. time I'd actually run a race. And everything else I'd done, I'd managed to always finish quicker. So I'd never actually gone past that point of what it was like to go any longer. Wow. So, and it took, took me to 2019 to do a 230k trail run wow. to finally go past that and um, discover what it was like to run, say, 42 hours. <laughs> so, <sighs> you, I mean, to go from, you know, basically starting off wanting to run a half marathon to nine months later or whatever it was running a, a hilly 100 miler, how did your body cope with that assault? I, I found it, so the first 100k was quite tough. Um, Again, being in the hills, that was a bit different to the Hume Hovel 100. So that in itself, I was discovering, um, yeah, I sort of got past 60K, everything felt sore. I was trying to sort of learn what that was like. I had no idea back then of sort of nutrition, so that was I was really learning how to do that. But funnily enough, we reached Harryville, which was 102K, and then you sort of had your next 60K back up into the mountains. Um and then back towards the finish. And it happened to be that that 60, I really enjoyed. And I think the longer I went, um, the more I was enjoying it huh. and the more I was actually having fun. So I think that's sort of how I discovered that uh, I sort of finished that race and went, oh, I like this distance. Um, it just seemed to be that the more of the challenge of going longer, um, yeah, the more I just seemed to enjoy. And you, you tend to just forget what your body's sore or your legs are sore, you just you just push through that. Um, once you get past the point of realising that everything hurts, um, you start thinking of other things and it's it's more about, yeah, the distance and um, that end goal and then you start concentrating on that. Yeah. So it didn't, it sort of, that was my sort of foray into realising, yeah, I like ultra running and uh, uh, it pretty much everything sort of got longer from there. I mean, had you been active Again, I've got a double question. A, had you been active growing up? And B, what did your family think? Were they like, huh? <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah, Stephen's going to do a half marathon. Great, great, great. Stephen's running 100 miles. That's, that's, that's quite a, that is a jump. Not so much, it's, it's a jump for you, but I imagine the people around you, your workmates, everyone, you know, it's a bit of a jump. Yeah, my workmates, even seven years later, they still think I'm nuts. Um, they still can't get their head around it. My wife's used to me being nuts, so it wasn't really too much of a shock for her. <laughs> and it was funny because she ended up, she was actually crewing for us at the Alpine Challenge. So I think it was more her encouraging me to go longer and longer. And um, and I think she had fun watching me do it. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, sorry, I missed the first part of that question again. <laughs> no, no, I mean, what? W- were you active growing up? Oh, that's right, active, yeah. I I did grow up bushwalking, so I feel probably my background probably did help me a lot. So 
I started bushwalking back when I was about 10 years old and I grew up up in the Blue Mountains. So the mountains and the bush was was pretty natural for me. Um, and I used to enjoy doing big, long bushwalks. Uh, probably my biggest was I ended up walking the Lara Pinta Trail back about 10 years ago with two mates from work. Um, we did that over 15 days. And um, but sort of from that point onwards, I was starting to want to challenge myself for the walking. So I was making my longer walks uh, in shorter times. So a walk that I would do over four days, I would then want to challenge myself to try and do it in a day. So I started doing extra long days. I'd do a 100K walk um, and it might take me 20 hours to do that walk. But instead of four days, I could do it within the one-day period. Wow. And I think from there, it just it just seemed to be too slow. I just wanted to go a bit quicker and um, probably go further. And uh, I think I discovered that, uh, yeah, I could do that with running and you're sort of a bit limited to how far you can probably walk in a day to what you can actually run in a day. Uh, uh. So it was just, I mean, was that first half marathon, was it kind of an, uh, uh, I was going to say an entry drug. Um, was that kind of, had, did you always know that that wasn't where it was going to stop or was that just sort of you were going to do it as a one-off or you know, had, had you already figured out, um, I'm going to start running longer and longer? I, I actually didn't. When I first started, I really thought that that's um, probably where I didn't think much past the half or the marathon. Um, I actually didn't really know too much about what was out there in the world of ultra marathons. Um, I had heard of the North Face, which is now UTA. I might have run that a few, for a, a two or three times. And he was always trying to convince me to come and enter that, but just as a walker which I felt I couldn't. It just sort of did, wouldn't have done it justice right. to do a race that was made for runners and I'd sort of feel like a bit of a fraud probably entering that, knowing that I could do it in 24 hours, but it just wouldn't feel right. So, But outside of that, I didn't really delve or know too much about ultra running. Um, so when I got to the Hume Hovel 100, that was sort of my first sort of bit of an experience and research into what was a 100K race like, um, looking into that and then actually discovering what that felt like. And then after doing the Alpine Challenge, again, I think I went into that quite blindly um, and just thought, oh, yeah, it's a nice challenge. I can enjoy that. I've been in the bush before. Then I really started looking into what was out there and um, amazing what I discovered straight away. So things like the Hard Rock 100 over in America, I think that was one of the very first big ultra races that I'd actually discovered just through researching after the Alpine Challenge. Uh, Western states that popped up quite quickly, and then just started looking at what we had in Australia, and I thought, "Oh, there's a lot out there." Uh, and um, yeah, it just it just tempted me, uh, so uh, couldn't help myself and just yeah kept on uh, looking for other races. Um, my next miler was actually Northburn a year later. Yeah, that I was mean, my second miler. The Terry <laughs> Davis special. The Terry Davis special, yes. Jeez, oh, Louise. I mean. Uh, Speaking of the, you know, the trail and ultra scene in Australia, we think we've, you know, we've got it good here. Like, uh, you know, un, un, it's, it's, it's undeniably a great race scene here. You guys have got a really good one as well. And it seems to me it's perhaps a little bit less storied um, than ours, you know, and, but you guys have got the best names for your races. Um, <laughs> and you've just taken over as, as race director for one of them, the Unreasonable East. 200 milers 
Two hundred yeah. mile. I mean, where do you, uh, I, you know, where do you come up with the names and tell us about the <laughs> tell us about the race itself? So the the two hundred miler. That's they're the babies of uh, a guy named Sean Kessler over in WA. So he's he's basically got three two hundred milers. The unreasonable least being his last of his three in his series. So he does uh, one in WA, which um, is a two hundred miler on the Bitumlum track. Um, he does one in South Australia. Um, so the South Australian one's called the Irrational South. And ours is called the Unreasonable East over here. And just trying to remember what the WA one was called. I'll get back to that one. <laughs> but yeah, so he's it was that was his baby. Um, and after running the Tahoe 200, he decided um, he'd like to try and have a series out here. So he, and he looks after Ultra Series WA. So he he puts on a lot of races. He's got a huge running scene over in the western side of Australia. Uh-huh. And um, so he's had his Western Australian one done for I think that's been running for until its fourth year now. He had his first running of his uh, Irrational South in South Australia, and he's taken about two years to try and get uh, the one over here um, up and running. So his first idea was to try and do it in Canberra. And that was going to run last year, but then Canberra burnt out. All the national parks became off limits. Uh, so you had to start looking elsewhere. And then up in the Blue Mountains, there was the look of a possible 200-mile loop that one of the councils wanted to put together as a, an official route. But the way I could see that, that was going to take probably five years for them to actually officially put all these trails together. So Sean approached me and just sort of said if I had any ideas in the Blue Mountains, so which I actually happened to have a, a route in my head. I had it for a lot while. So I gave him the route for where it is now, and um, basically that became the Unreasonable East 200. And that was sort of an extension of a, of a loop I had in the mountains, which was a 100-mile loop. So for the first out of all of his three races, he's going to do a 100-mile option with his 200-mile option. So he's calling that one the unreasonable least 100 miler um, as your baby step up to his unreasonable least 200 miler. <laughs> so the 100 miler is called, he's, got, he's, he's just jokingly calling that the reasonable least, <laughs> and his 200 miler is the unreasonable least. I mean, it does seem, uh, you know, and the names, I, I did a bit of quick Googling there, it's the Delirious West. That's it, Delirious West. And and I think about unreasonable, delirious, you know, like a hundred miles in our context um, seems even some like I haven't run a hundred miles. It seems doable. And it seems like it would be a gnarly, gnarly challenge, but it would be doable. Two hundred miles. That is unreasonable. Or it, it seems, is. Un- it seems <laughs> unreasonable. <laughs> It's it's funny that the hundred miles almost seems to become the norm now. Yeah. Um, I, I think when I started, like people saw hundred miles as as massive, and it was the hundred k was where people would look up to, and they would see the hundred mile as sort of that distance that was almost unapproachable for a lot of people. But I think as as the sport has really grown in the last six years, it's almost like the hundred mile has become the norm for. A, like a massive trail run, 100Ks is is almost fairly common. It's almost like it's the marathon distance for trail running. So now people are starting to look for longer. So 
you're looking at 250Ks and now even the 200 miler distances as, I guess, the challenge that people are starting to look look to beyond that 100 mile mark. Uh, so, um, yeah. There's a 200 miler at uh, Naseby this year, isn't there, Matt? Um, yeah, that's I think a lot of loops. That, uh, what's, what's the name of that guy? Andrew McDowell, I think is his name, is running it. Was it, is that his name? Yes, Mr. McDowell. Yeah. Uh, know him very, very well. Very good friend of mine. <laughs> he seems quite frightened of you. <laughs> well, maybe maybe it's because of our little uh, little competition we have going that um, he's, he's struggling to try and keep up with that one. Well, look, let's let's delve into that and then... And, and, uh, unsparing detail tell us about this little competition that you've got is it, is it like a gentleman's a gentleman's wager or is it just a little yeah what's it, going on it's a bit of a gentleman's uh competition that uh, i wasn't supposed to bring it up at this um podcast uh, i was told uh, point blank that it was supposed to be off limits <laughs> <laughs> only because i think it's more in my favor than it is in andrew's favor <laughs> um, and and he'll have a good laugh when he listens to this, I reckon. Yeah, Andrew, if, so, you're, if you're running, just just stop, Andrew. Just stop and have a listen. We don't yes. want you falling over. So I'll, I'll give Andrew the one thing. I very first met him, which was at the Northburn 100 miler uh, back in 2016. And I probably have to put that down as one of my most memorable moments. And I think it'll be a moment that I'll never forget when Andrew decided to come running past me just after the water race. Uh, so the year we did it, it was blustering a gale. So I think we had close to like 90 to 100K uh, winds up on the mountains. So four in the morning, we've headed down and I had this, I'd run, I was running in third for pretty much most of the race. Um, again, I'm fairly new at running. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just, oh yeah, I'll go out and someone said you're running third. I went, fine, I'll keep going. But I had this head torch probably a couple of k's behind me for a good, I don't know, good 15 hours. I could always just see it behind me there. And uh, we were going down the water race, four in the morning. Um, it was just crap. <laughs> Everything that Terry says about the water race, it's correct. It's true. <laughs> and at four in the morning, it's not the place you want to be. So then you turn around and you've got to head back up one of the four drive tracks to get back up to TW. And lo and behold, I'm just struggling. We've got this headwind of 90Ks. I'm going nowhere. I feel like I'm just I'm walking on the spot. And there's this bubbly Kiwi guy comes bouncing past me, bit of a hello, and he just disappears. And lo and behold, that was Andrew McDowell. And that was my first first introduction to, to Andrew. So, um, But I'll never forget it. I just couldn't believe he just had a big smile, said, hey, bro, how you going? And off he went. And he just disappeared in front of me. So I think he ended up finishing a couple of hours ahead of me in the race. Um, never got to see him at the end of it because he had to do, um, shoot off back home. But, yeah, so just started up a friendship from there. And um, so that was – that was he got number one out of our little, uh, little wager. And uh, I seemed to get uh, quite a few others after that. So later on that year he came and did C2K. Uh, with myself, so Costa Cozzi, yeah, and um, so we had a good, good, good second visit there. Um, he had a bit of a hard time at C2K, um, ended up finishing a few hours behind me, and um, so we were even again. That was one for one. Um, then we had Great Southern Endurance Run, uh, which was 
massive one through the Victorian high country down here. That was 180 k's with about 11,500 of elevation. And uh, that was that was a pretty gnarly race. And um, it ended up becoming 2-1 after that one. So I'm just trying to think where Andrew's number two is and he'll be <laughs> laughing now when he's going to listen to this. I should have done my research to remember what all, all of them were. So... Um, but we had we went to the Asian Champs together um, over at Taiwan, Taiwan. and mm-hmm. yeah. So Andrew, that was his first real taste of what twenty four hours around a track was like. And I still think he blames me for getting him into uh, into that part of the sport that he never thought Mister McDowell, the trail runner, would be a track runner. So that was that was three one. Um, then we went to the Worlds, uh, so we both got to the Worlds. That ended up being uh, 4-1. Uh, I think his number two's in there somewhere. I've just got to try and remember where number two was. And um, just trying to think where my number five was. Well, there was UTMB so, as well, wasn't there? UTMB. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm glad you guys have done your research. Yes, that was number five, uh, UTMB. And I was even kind enough to I waited up all night for him to uh, to come across <laughs> the finish line because I didn't want to miss didn't want to miss my mate over in uh, over in the other side of the world to um, to come across. So that was a pretty good race. So it's fi- yeah, five two with a with a mysterious number two for Mister McDowell. Yeah, it, uh, I can't remember during the podcast. I'll eventually get it once he listens to it, and uh, he'll he'll let you guys know. He will certainly let us know. He will certainly let us know. <laughs> In fact, those of us around central Auckland early hours of Wednesday morning will hear the number two shouting probably. Heavy <laughs> out running, right. listening to yes. this. Screaming. I mean, you're yeah. screaming out of the top of his lungs from the top of Mount Eden. Look, you're not just a keen advocate of, of running. You know, you're a, you're a race director. Uh, what, what drew you to that side of the, you know, people either go sort of, one side of the one side of the tape or the other. Um, what drew you to what drew you to race directing? Race directing, yeah. So I still can I still see myself as for a first and foremost definitely a runner, and uh, I definitely don't ever want to lose that part of what I really enjoy. But the race directing that sort of came about. So the Sydney twenty four hour that um, I'd done my first 24-hour track race here in Sydney back in 2016 and pretty much run it every year until Sri Chimnoy moved their 24-hour for 2020 down to Canberra. So they took over the Canberra 48 um, and so therefore they moved their 24-hour, which had been in Sydney for like 35 years, and they incorporated that into the new uh, Canberra 48, which was in March. And that just meant Sydney in June for the first time, didn't have a 24-hour race. And I, I just didn't want to see it lost uh, on our right. calendar. It was it was a good time of year for a 24-hour race. I always believe it's, it's out of all of them, it has the best conditions. I mean, Sydney in June is just always beautiful. Uh, our nights are around, around about sort of 5 to 8 degrees and the days are like 16 to 17. Mm, perfect. And generally sunny, very little rain in, in June. So COVID last year gave me a bit of an opportunity and I had muted once they'd left in 2019, uh, just a bit of a joke. Oh, maybe we should, my wife and I had a chat, so maybe we should just pick up 
and we should put the race on. How hard can it be to put on a track race? I've run it for a few years. It seemed pretty simple. So I had a lot of stand down last year from work just due to COVID. Uh, I was off work for about nine months last year. Um, so basically it was just a good way to sort of give me a bit of a hobby. So I started looking into it back in March, um, what was involved, and um, I think by about June, sort of a year out, that's we made the decision that, yeah, we'll, we'll pick it back up and try and, um, and put this, the race back in Sydney on the same month and try and keep it within the calendar. So and that's where it was born. So, yeah, from June last year, I made the announcement that um, I'd put the race on for June this year and probably took me about 12 months to actually organise that race. So certainly learned a lot and realised that there is a lot more involved behind the scenes huh. in putting on a race than what I ever thought. Uh. But the reward was just was just phenomenal. Um, a lot of people, especially in the last four weeks, were all asking, was I going to run in my own race? Um, so and I haven't missed out on the Sydney 24 since 2016. And I just said, I couldn't do it justice if I ran in that race. So my idea is, is I wanted to put it on and so I want people to see that I was vested in putting on the best race and making sure that it ran properly and not just put on a race for me to actually run in and have it as my own private sort of uh, venue. So uh, I didn't want people to see that. So in the end, I actually didn't. A lot of people said, oh, you must be, you must be having such huge FOMO watching everyone running out there and you can't be there. I was so busy. I really enjoyed watching people reach their goals. Um, I've watched people bring in massive distances. People have never been on a track before. Just seeing all the happy faces out there and people just having such a good time. I didn't think for the whole weekend at all about not being out there. Um, it was just watching it and just having everyone actually have a great experience and walk away enjoying the race. That was enough for me. So. Mm. Yeah, so that's and that's sort of where the the race directing came into it. So, but I wanted to make sure I was just not going to throw it on sort of half heartedly. I wanted to do it properly. So, yeah, so it's it, it's going to be on the racing calendar now. It's, um, it's already booked in for next year for the same weekend, and um, I'm upping the event just slightly. So the council gave me three days at the track, so I'm now able to offer a 48 hour distance um, in the race. Wow. So there you yeah. go. So we've only we've only got one 48 hour race in Australia, and I, I believe we could definitely warrant two. Um, so, and knowing that you guys, you actually don't actually have one over in New Zealand as well. So I'm hoping with our two countries being so close together, that that op- opportunity for even for guys over in New Zealand can have more than just one option of coming over for a 48. They have a couple of options that may suit them better. So uh. yeah. So um, I really enjoy seeing what the yeah forty eight hour option is going to be like next year. Fantastic, yeah. So hey. in addition to oh, you go, Eugene. In oh. addition to <laughs> remote <laughs> interviews, saved us. You go, Matt. There'll be a fight when we next see each other in person, in Wellington. Um, Wu two K reach Joe rolling around on the ground. Uh, <laughs> in addition to your race directing, you're also um, on the board of the Australian Ultra Runners Association. One of the things about our sport is it's it's pretty disjointed today. It's pretty disparate. There's lots of 
organizations and companies. So, I mean, what are, why is it important to have such organizations like um, Aura around? So for Aura, Aura is nice because it's, it's, it's not linked to anything specific, but it's there as an advocate purely for ultra running. And being an association, Aura doesn't put on races. Um, Aura doesn't own anything in that sense. But it's just there as a representative to try and bring what we feel is the whole of ultra running together um, as a massive community. And I think it, we want to try and show out there that what up to ultra running is and just how big it can be in the running scenes outside of your normal like Athletics New South Wales or Athletics Australia who really promote the track side of it, um, everything up to, say, uh, a marathon distance. But there's nothing there to really represent everything beyond that. And it's just just so massive. So with Aura, it's nice. It just, it just brings it all together. Um, it does have a place where you do have all your things like your records, your representations, um, somewhere where people can feel that you can see that um, if you want to look at certain types of races like track running, has always been a part of ultra running with the Aura Association for a lot of years. And now they're just trying to really delve into showing what trail running is like and how big it is and that it's not just about that sort of old school idea of ultra running was, was guys running around a track, but still showing that that's still a very big part of um, the the part of the scene of what ultra running is. Mm. So it's it, it has a lot. So you've got your roads, you've got your track, and then you've got your trail. And um, I think it's just nice to be able to actually have somewhere where people can go and see it all in one hit mm. um, and actually feel like that the association behind it is actually invested in it and really want to promote it but not just sort of be there as a body that doesn't really care too much about it. So mm. It's good to have somewhere that kind of is um, almost a custodian so it doesn't mm. it doesn't it's not invested in the same way that a race organizer is invested in a race, but it's a custodian of the sport. And I remember years ago reading um there's a, a book about the New Zealand I've forgotten the author's name, I was just trying to remember, but the book is called Run Along the Dot a Dotted Run Along the Dotted Line. And it was a history of ultra running in New Zealand. And there were so yep. many races, um, you know, around the Pukekohe race car track, uh, you know, Auckland to Wellington, all these different races that no longer exist. Um, and I, so I think it's just wonderful to have some, you know, organisations like like you're involved in that kind of can preserve some of that history and keep keep those, um, yeah, keep that special history and traditions of the sport alive and, and, and treasure them. It does, it, and it does keep it alive. You, you get, so... On just the Aura Facebook page, it now has um, sort of like over 3,500 members on that Facebook page. So it's ranging from people who are members, um, signed up as members of Aura, people who are just there just to want to see what is actually um, out there. But it's also got a lot of the old school history as well. So exactly as you said, it's really nice when an old story pops up or people start representing history of what this sport was, say, 30 years ago. Mm. And we can see just how much it's changed since then but still hasn't changed. Mm, like yeah. the idea of even what they wanted to do back then 
They just wanted to get out and just run. It was just about running long distance and what are they capable. And a lot of it these days is people just want to get out there and run and just enjoy it. And, um, yes, it's become a lot more of a, a social aspect, but at the end of the day, we just want to get out there and enjoy running. Um, whether you're out on a, on a track going around for 24 hours or whether you're out in the bush wanting to run 100 miles or even greater. So it is, it's good to have it all together in one spot that people can see. And as you said, just hold that history too. So uh, <clears throat> it seems to be that there's a change. In, and I think about, you know, you talked about that sort of new school versus old school. Coming into like, and I think about sort of from 2013, 14 onwards with Western states and the prominence of social media and stuff like that and, and what an ultra or a trail race is supposed to look like. And then I think about, you know, Eugene and my mate Gary, who used to put on this thing called the Riverhead Ultra Marathon um, from the hall across like literally this, you know, it's a small town. Um, I was, I got married in this hall. It's 30 meters up from my house, you know, and I remember when we first moved to Riverhead, let's see these people turn up and they'd be doing this 50 K race. I used to think, my God, I could never ever do anything like, you know, this is, I was first sort of contemplating a half marathon and then, you know, sort of get a bit further along, you get the bug. Um, Eugene might've actually won that race. I think there's about five people into that year or something. You know? It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> but this right, I did it one year and he was from the old school. So I was expecting, you know, trails through Riverhead and kind of this epic sort of narrative with lots of climbs. And no, Gary was all about the experience of the distance. So we would run yeah. up a road and then back down a road. And it was, arbit- you know, like we were making up the distances and it just it did my head in. But yep. looking back on it, I think, wow, it's actually not about, you know, I got to see this view. It was the go out and run this distance. That's that's right. And even when you look at, say, like your NASB 100 mile or NASB 200, and it's that's fairly, it's a fairly flat course. It is, it's, it's loops. Um, but it's, it's about, it's about that challenge. So, and it can be a lot of things. So you can do a point-to-point trail race and that challenge is getting to that other point. So when I did Lara Pinta 231, um, so the West Max Monster, that was about going from one end of that trail to the other. So your goal is reaching the other end. So you, you've actually completed it. But then you can go run a lap course, whether it be trail or on the track, and it's it's it still has the same goal, but that goal is just looked at differently. So it's it's about still reaching that end point, but that end point could be a time frame. It could be what distance can I actually do? And um, and it's there is no one right or wrong part two trail running. So and that's and that's what I think I really love about the sport. And uh-huh. I've I've always enjoyed all sorts of it, like the whole sides of trail, the track and the road is everything has its own challenge that you'll actually achieve in it so it's um and that's what i really enjoy so i go into whatever i do and um i'll look at that and decide what's my challenge here um and i can even do a lot of that too is i do a lot of long ultra running just for my for my enjoyment so it doesn't necessarily have to be a race so i've i can go out for a midweek 100k trail run um and just or just even a point to point so, and I'll just enjoy that. It's, and that's my own goal is like I've just completed something 
that I've I've had fun doing, mm. and there's no there's nothing at the end of it but just to say that I've I've managed to go from here to here. So, mm. and that's, that's that's sort of how I see it, and I think that's what I really enjoy about the sport. Um, it's probably what makes me sort of quite passionate about what we have and what we can do. Yeah. That's the thing, isn't it? You can find, you find the beauty in, if you look for it, you'll find the beauty in what you're doing, whether it's running 360 kilometers around a loop in your garage or, you know, heading, heading to some of these amazing races like you've done, you know, you you find the challenge and the thing that, that that gives you a smile, um, we, you know, when you look for it, don't you? Oh, you do. I mean, I had a lot of people ask me about my garage ultra and they said, that must have been the most boring thing you've ever done in your life. And the funny thing was is I actually didn't find that whole four days boring at all. So I actually really enjoyed, as stupid as it sounded, I actually really enjoyed running around the garage for four days. Um, I had my music going. I had a a mate, John Yoon, down in Victoria. We had an open Zoom going for four days that he would just pop on and off. Uh, I had Andrew... uh, McDowell and Joe Gallagher from over in New Zealand. So we have a three-way um, messenger group. So that was pretty much open and they were just coming on and off um, the whole time as well. Uh, I had my music going for the whole time. Uh, my wife would pop down from upstairs into the garage and just drop me a bit of food every hour and she'd set it up. So we'd have a little bit of an aid station in the middle there. So there was always something going on and it just we just made it fun. Yeah. And uh, so... Yeah, at no point did I actually find it boring yeah. over the four days. And then as it went on, it became more of a challenge. Um, am I actually going to be able to complete four days of this? So, uh, um, And that, that was sort of where my focus became. So, yeah, yeah. You, you can make anything enjoyable. You uh, can. It's just how you want to approach it, I guess. It's all that attitude, isn't it? Hey, you, I mean, yeah. you have run some amazing races as well, including two of the biggies, you know, UTMB and, and Western States. I just wondered if yep. you could could compare and contrast them for us. I mean, they're very different races, very different scenes. But in terms of actually running them, how do you know? How do you compare them? So Western States, I think the history behind Western States um, being one of your first miler runs in the world, uh, it was really nice to actually be a part of that and just sort of get put into that atmosphere of what the history of actual ultra running and miler running is actually all about. And over there, it's it's point to point. Um, it's completely different to UTMB. It, it's hot. Um, it's a smaller race, um, which is nice. There's only like 330 runners that run in that race. You do run in, up the mountains to start with where it gets bloody cold, a um, little bit of snow at the top, and then next thing you know, six hours later, you're running in 42-degree heat. In, in the canyons um, along the trail. But that was just a great race to feel like that you've achieved something on the world scale. And UTMB was probably not always on my radar, but it was something that you'd be nice to be able to tick off um, as a bit of a bucket list race. And got into that the same year Andrew got into that, so it was really nice to go over and especially uh. actually enjoy that with mates on the other side of the world. And... That probably blew me away more once I was there than probably my idea of wanting to be there right. because it was such a large race, a bit more commercialised. I do like the smaller version. So Western States is a bit more of a smaller version. Um, they tend to really 
look after you at all the aid stations. There's a lot of personality in that. I felt UTMB might have been huge, but then when you got there, the atmosphere and how much the Europeans actually embrace that race on top of where it actually is and knowing that you've just done this complete 160K loop around three countries with Mont Blanc sitting right bang in the middle of it and you're finishing up back at the same point that you started the day before, um, that pretty much blew me away um, just for what it was. So, yeah, so the, both those races were, were pretty special for that. Um, I've had a couple other big ones. Uh, probably one that would be probably my most memorable would be the Hong Kong Four Trails um. Um, Ultra Challenge over in Hong Kong. That one's done on a real low, low-key scale of being almost like a self-challenge. So you've got to enter the race. Um, you've still got to put in an application. Um, it's run by Andre Bloomberg. It's, it's his um, uh, conception. It's his baby. So he will basically invite you in if he feels that you're a good fit for the race. Um, not only it's not just about whether you can finish it, but whether you actually have the right story behind wanting to be a part of that, that actual, what he calls it, basically the challenge. So going in there, that's really about yourself. It's about you achieving that race and it's going to come down to within yourself. There's no real help when you're running it. You're on your own. Um, you've got to know how to manage that, um, the highs and the lows. Um, he doesn't want people along the way to help you out. Um, and the only help you get is in between the trails. Um, and basically that's because you've got to get from one to the next. So finishing that race um, at the Green Post Box on Muay was just, that was just really special. Um, yeah, that, that actually brought a tear to my eye. Like, I, I don't know whether that was running for 54 hours <laughs> or the fact that um, it gives you your two highest mountains literally in the last 10Ks of your actual race. You're climbing over two massive mountains that are like 900 metres high. Um, or the fact that it was like five degrees with a wind chill down to about minus five. Um, but, yeah, coming in, what I really found over there is how much the local community in Hong Kong really get behind their running over there. And to come into Muoy and have like a 1,000 people there Wow. just there waiting to see you come in. And it's almost like and you don't know any of them, but every single one of them by the end of this race knows who you are. And it was like it just felt very personal for a place that you wouldn't think would be. Um, it's yeah, And that really in heightened what ultra running and the ultra running community is actually really like. And you can actually see it there. So uh, that, was, that was very special. So and just, just seeing the memories of that. Is is that that's your prize of actually finishing it, getting it under sixty hours, um, and that's 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 up here in your head. It's that that will stay forever. So yeah, that's like the right at the other end of the scale. Yeah, um, is that and and with that the the thousand people is that mainly the kind of the the expat or immigrant uh, community, or is that like the indigenous you know Hong Kong Chinese community as well? Just everyone comes out. Absolutely both. So there's, there's like there's like so many expats there and all the expats know all the other expats when it comes to running. Mm. But I couldn't believe just how many of the local Hong Kong, like the Chinese Hong Kong, all embraced it. 
and basically you're, you're running this race and they all got to know you. Um, it's, and I've still got some really great Hong Kong friends um, that have come out of this and it's like I feel like I went over as a nobody. It's like, and they, they treat me like I was a somebody. <laughs> so it was, um, yeah, it, that still blows my mind a little bit. Um, Have you got, is it the fastest known time for a non-Hong Kong resident? 54 hours, 46 minutes. Is that, is that right? That that was that was back then. So there was a few expats that have actually done better. Right. Um, but they all they all they all do live there. Yeah. So it was for someone who'd actually come in, never actually lived in Hong Kong. That was, yeah, that was the fastest. It was the fourth fastest time overall. Um, and it was the fastest for a non non-Hong Kong-based uh, runner. Yeah. So, but this year, uh, there was a local guy actually even went one further and he's finally had someone bro- did a breaking 50. So um, a local guy came in and actually ended up coming in, I think it was about 48 and a half hours or 49 hours. So he, he finally actually managed, someone actually managed to break the 50-hour barrier. Which which, which includes <laughs> which includes like a ferry ride and, and various other logistical challenges, doesn't it? It, it does. So... You've got four trails um, from the first to the second trail. It's about an hour's drive. On the second trail, which is Wilson, you've got it because it's split into over two parts of the island. Um, you've actually got to catch a tra- three trains to get underneath the harbour to get from the northern end of the Wilson Trail to the southern end. So that's all part and parcel of you having to negotiate that on your own but no help. Then at the end of the third trail, which is the Hong Kong Trail at the top of Victoria Peak, um, your crew pick you up, drive you down, and then you've got you, you've basically got to wait and catch the ferry across to Lantau Island. So your whole strategy or the whole part of the actual race or the challenge will come down to ferry times. So I had just missed out on about 20 minutes catching the earlier ferry over to Lantau, which would have been the 12.30 ferry. And but because I missed that, the next ferry is not until three o'clock. So basically, I had to wait around until the three o'clock ferry, which then allowed four other runners the year I did it to actually catch up. So there was five of us on the three o'clock ferry. Um, so then off we went, and it ended up being three of us were sort of together, and then there ended up being two of us together, which which was the guy that ended up winning it in 2019, Nugo. Um, Absolutely amazing. Is a is a Nepalese guy, but lives in Hong Kong. Um, very very uh, well known there. So we ended up sort of dicing each other for the pretty much the whole second half of the last trail. But then when we hit the hills, he just had that little bit more than what I did, and was able to hold about a twenty five minutes um, or thirty minutes sort of gap on me. I almost paid him back, so we were climbing Sunset Peak and I could actually see him probably about half a K in front of me but up the hill. And um, I think once we sort of, he got towards the top of that and realised I wasn't too far behind him, um, word was he just absolutely hot-footed <laughs> all the way to the finish, the last last sort of seven Ks, and um, he ended up finishing, um, I think it was 25 minutes in front of me. but. An absolute gentleman. He was an absolute gentleman. Um, one thing I won't f- forget is where you leave the, the coastal part of Lantau and you head up into the hills, 
he was we were running together for about 5k and really nice guy so when we took off I just I was feeling a little bit down and he seemed to have a bit more energy he kept waiting for me so he wanted me to stay with him um, and his idea was I was the visitor to Hong Kong and he was the local so he wanted to do right by the visitor and he didn't want to see me dropping off so he was actually holding himself back to try and keep me going with him. Wow. And I, I had to, I didn't want to hold him back because I wanted him to race his race. So we were probably about 5Ks up into the hills and I finally just had to make an excuse that I needed to go to the toilet. <laughs> and, just said, and I just told Nuga, I'll catch up to you, no problems, um, and I allowed him to have sort of five minutes to get away. And then I just sort of went back to running my race and then allowed him to run his race. But I think if I didn't do that, he would have made sure that I'd stayed with him the whole way to the finish. So, yeah, and that that's sort of the spirit of what the people like over there. Um, so, yeah, very, very memorable, that race. Um, hopefully one day I'll get a chance to be able to go back and um, be able to run it again. And then 25 minutes over 298 kilometres, that's, that's not a big margin, right? No, it's, it's not actually overall. So, but that's... That's the the nature of the race and with the ferries. Um, it oh, just wow. happened to be if I got on that earlier ferry, I'd be three hours in front of everybody else just by the idea of the ferry times. But you miss out. 20 minutes can be a lifetime away, so mm. it doesn't really matter. I could miss out on them by one minute. It wouldn't really matter. Yeah. Um, that's just part and parcel of the whole the whole challenge of that race. So, um but, yeah, I didn't feel like I was cheated. It was just because at the end of the day, it's not really a race. You're running it for yourself. And the challenge is is Andre wants you to be able to complete that whole distance of all four trails, self-supported, and try and do it under 60 hours. So really in the day, you get under 60 hours, you've completed the challenge. So, um, yeah. And that's, I'd never expected to be six hours under that. I sort of. My idea in my head was I might finish around 58 hours, maybe 59. So, it, um, yeah, I never thought I'd actually be getting in around the huh. just 54 and a half hour mark. Wow. I mean, is it worth asking, you know, like you've been – that is a ripping yarn. And we have a friend, Tom, who he he ran the Hong Kong 100. You know, he's done UTMB. Um, he was signed up for Tour de Jan. He, he says he doesn't like running very much, but he seems to, <laughs> he seems to get on these really sort of big adventures. And he came back from Hong Kong. He did the Hong Kong 100. He was fizzing about the four trails. And I remember we kept on going out for these runs on Saturday morning and Eugene, myself, Tom, and he's just, you know, we had it for a couple of weeks. He'd just be going over the, just how excited he was to be engaged. You know, it just sounds fantastic through the city and, oh, amazing. Oh, it's, it's when, when you do read up on it, it's like it's the challenge of what it actually entails. What Andre put together is just, it's just so enticing. Um, I'd only heard about that probably two years earlier um, after seeing uh, Meredith Quinlan Nozzy, a female who ran in it two years earlier, and then a mate of mine, Chris, um, also ran it the next year. And it was only from that that made me see the race and went, oh, I've got to do that. Um, two years earlier, and I never really looked into Hong Kong for running, but, yeah, it really opens your eyes up to what's actually over there. Mm. So, I mean, I, I, 
I went into it really well. So I, after we finished, we got off, came out of the World 24-Hour Championships. Um, I had about a month um, recovery and then went straight into my training for four trails, which was actually in January, end of January the next year. So I didn't really have too much time from one to the next. But it allowed me to uh, do two um, trips to Hong Kong, one in December and one at the start of January, where I wreckied all four trails over those two trips. So I um, never being there, never actually been on any trails in Hong Kong. I ended up doing two in December um, on my own. And then I went back at the start of January, Penny and I, we went over for a bit of a holiday and then I wrecked the other two, again, running them both on my own. Um, so I actually had felt, and I'd ran them all the same direction as you do for the challenge, which is you run them backwards. Um, so you start at the finish and then you finish at the start of each of the four trails. So, and that's, that puts a little bit more of a challenge in, especially for the locals who tend to know those trails in the other direction. Right. Yeah. So for me, it was all right because that was the only way I've ever run them. So to me, that felt like the right direction. <laughs> but, uh, Remember that that run that we did with uh, Will Hayward, Matt, um, Christmas two years ago now, wasn't it? Where he just, I mean, the finish of that, I was like, I've got to get to Hong Kong and run those trails. Yeah. He just raved about them, and um, and particularly the intrigue of of Hong Kong four trails with the logistical challenges to it as well. It just seems like much more than a race. It's, I mean, it seems cliche, but it sounds like a real experience. Well, they they, they treat you like family. I, that's that's where I met Will. Um, so when I was over there on my first recce run, so I just went over on my own um, and ran two. So Will just messaged me and said, oh, I see you're in Hong Kong. Look, a few of us are just getting together. We're going to be talking about the race in January. Feel free to pop on over. So didn't know him from a bar of soap and basically, yeah, rocked on up and there was Virginia there, there was Nikki Hayne there, Will Hayward, Scotty Callahan. They had their partners, their crew. And it's like walk straight in there and you're just a part of them. So it was like that's it, straight up. Um, you're running this race, you're over in Hong Kong, you're, you're just one of us. So and that was my, yeah, my first sort of meet um, of these great guys over there. So, yeah, such is a great guy, Will, and um, everyone else over there as well. So it's, mm. it's good. Nikki said, oh, well, if, um, if you're wrecking it, look, I'll, I'll meet you on Lantau. That's where she lives. She says, oh, I'll, I'll run some of the race with you, so or the the, um, the Ricky run. So yeah, didn't really know her, and she ended up putting on her uh, vest and ran backwards and met me up on Sunset and then finished off the run with me and introduced me to a few of the people she knew down at Mooi. So, yeah, it's um, it was good. I really enjoyed that. Is it lucky? I mean, you've been so generous with your time. Is it worth... I mean, we ask one question. So as a final question on Dirt Church Radio, is it worth asking you, do you have a greatest run ever or or, or is that it? I would. I don't really have any greatest runs. Uh, I just, because I do so many, so many runs I really enjoy and each one, I think I pick each one for a reason. Um, I've always wanting to know what I can do with that one. But that one probably, that one is very special. I think it was my first run of that absolute length and was only like 2k shy of 300ks um it was my longest ever time i've ever run it was my first time i've actually gone into a third sunrise um so really nice just and i was always wanting to know what it was like to actually head into a third sunrise and see what 
what your mind and your body would do, um, which was quite, which I quite enjoyed actually feeling that. Um, my first time I've ever actually ran while sleeping and still running with my eyes shut, <laughs> wondering I'd better open them back up because I could just end up running <laughs> off the side of the mountain here. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd say that that would be probably up there as, as at, at the moment, my, my greatest um, achievement and my greatest run from memory. Wow. I mean, thank you so much. It's, uh, it's really, refer- your, your passion is so evident, you know, and um, yeah, just thanks very much for sharing these stories. And, and, and I, for one, hope that, you know, if, if nothing else, this is, um, this is inspirational for Andrew McDowell. I think it will be. <laughs> Still trying to get him back over here. We need to um, we need to try and even up the, uh, the score a bit more. So um, I'm happy to give him every opportunity. <laughs> there we go. So the uh, the gauntlet is thrown. Fantastic. Hey, look, Stephen. Thank you so much for coming on Dirtier Trader. We really appreciate it, and hope that you know New South Wales gets um, gets gets things under control and everyone back at it. You know, as soon as safely as possible. Oh, most definitely. Well, thanks, guys, for having me on. Um, yeah, really enjoyed uh, the chat for the last hour. It's been fantastic. Cheers. Appreciate it. Can't believe he started his running journey just wanting to do a 20, well, not just, wanting mm. to do a 21K, and then he sort of just wildly progressed from there. <laughs> I, I mean, don't understand. You could do an aircraft analogy, couldn't you? Like, whoo, he just took off. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Amazing, mm. amazing. And, and yeah, what a, what a storyteller. What yeah. a teller of tales. Thank you very much for tuning in. Um, yeah, thanks, Stephen, for joining us. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We're on social media at Dirt Church Radio. You can email dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. And you can find us on all the podcast platforms. Like and subscribe if you fancy. And you can download direct from the website, which is at dirtchurchradio.com. Don't forget to write in with your greatest run ever. We'd love to hear from you. And you can read them on the website too. Thank you to our sponsors, Scott Running, Further Faster, Spring Energy and CLE. And thank you to our Patreon supporters and Wild Things. Thanks to our editor, Kieran. And we've got a great show lined up for you next week. All the way from Wu2K. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Come say hi. Yeah. Come say Kyoto. So please tune in then. Kakite. Kakite Hana. Thanks, Rigby. <laughs>